Show of hands, show of hands, everybody. How many of you have ever had a bad day? Bad days, bad days. You can remember, and your mind's going there, isn't it? It's going right to that bad day. The day was May 1st, 2001. It's a bad day. My pastor stepped down at that moment. That was emotional. But I didn't really have time to even get emotional because I got a phone call that my grandma died. Same day. And I get a phone call. She died. She was at McDonald's going to church on her way to church. She stopped at McDonald's and, and killed over dead. The doctor said she was dead before she hit the ground. Now, she came back to life. And let me tell you that story because I can't tell you that and then not tell you the story. But I didn't know this at that time. So she comes to McDonald's. They go there every Sunday morning. She and my grandpa. they married for, I don't know, 60 years or 55 years, something like that. And they love each other. They get in a little McChicken or something. And, and she goes over dead. Now, rewind the tape to Saturday night, the night before. This is Sunday morning. Saturday night, she's the, uh, my, another grandma who they don't know each other, was driving down the street with her grandson. And the grandson's like, Grandma, I want to go to that McDonald's. I got I to gotta play a game that I can only play there. And, and the grandma said, I'm too tired. We'll go in the morning. So fast forward. Walk, grandma walks in. She dies. And then they walk in immediately, the perfect timing of the Lord. And, and uh, when they would have gone Saturday night, they come Sunday night instead. The little boy reaches up and pulls his grandma's pant leg and says, you're a nurse. You can help her. She goes in and resuscitates my grandma. She lives for another 11 years. Come on. Is there anybody thankful for the perfect timing of the Lord? Okay, but I didn't know any of that at that time. All I knew was grandma died. Well, my mom is with me, and, and, um, and, and my stepdad are with me in San Diego. So my mom's freaking out. She's got to go back up to, to, to Sacramento where her, her mom is. And, but, but at that time, my daughter, Hadassah, something else happened. How many know that when bad things happen, it seems like it's all on the same day? Like, this is a bad day. Hadassah, who was three at the time... She gets into her papa's blood pressure medicine and takes some. We don't even know how many she took. So now I'm freaking out because he can't find the blood pressure medicine. She was in there, went through the, the bags. I'm racing her to the hospital. Like, I'm speeding. I'm just going as fast as I can, and she's falling asleep on me. And I'm smacking her, yelling at her, wake up. Don't go to sleep. Like, she's three, right, in her little diaper. We race into the ER, and we get into a room, and the doctor said, this is serious. I need you to drink this, this, this glass of charcoal. It's like liquid charcoal. I don't know how they did it, but you say, what is liquid charcoal? It's charcoal, like the briquettes you would use. I don't know if they put it in a ninja or like a food process, like a juicer, but they, they, they give her this to drink because it, like, will coat the poison or whatever, and so she's, I'm, I got to convince her to drink this now. So she's on my lap. She's so cute. And everybody, the nurses keep walking by. And, and, um, and we make probably the cutest kids on the planet. But anyway, <laughs> the nurses walk by and they're like, oh my goodness, she's so cute. What's her name? I'm like, Hadassah is what happened. They're like, oh, she's so cute. I'm like, I know, but <clears throat> we're, we're kind of in the midst of something. And so every time they would walk by to go to another room, they would say, stop to say hi to Hadassah. And, hi, cutie, hi. And so I'm trying to get her to drink this. I'm like, baby girl, it's a chocolate shake. <laughs> so she takes one sip. She's like, I don't yike it, daddy. I'm like, I know you don't yike it, but I need you to drink this. She's sitting on my lap. She's so cute. Little bangs, diaper. And the best. And then, and then she's drinking it. I need her to drink it fast. So I keep, I'm bribing her. I'm like, I'll give you ice cream. I'll give you money. I'll get a pony. You want a unicorn? I'll give you a unicorn, whatever you want. All these empty promises, right? Just drink the shake. So she finally drinks probably three quarters of it. 
And every time the nurses walk by, hi, Adasa, oh, hi, Adasa, you're so cute. Well, she drinks all of it, and then all of a sudden, it, something reverses gears. A little bit. And you know, yeah, you know what's coming, right? She threw up charcoal all over me. I'm covered. She's covered. The same nurses who were walking by before admiring her were like, hi, Adasa, oh, my gosh, what happened to you? Every charcoal everywhere. All on the same day. Have you ever had a bad day before? Like it just seems like it's like it almost waits to just happen all on the same day. Couldn't like spread out. It's gotta be all on the same day. I got a couple funny statements for you. A couple here's a, here's a couple ways that you know it's a bad day. You know it's a bad day when your horn sticks on the freeway behind 32 Hells Angels. <laughs> That's a bad day. You know it's a bad day when you call the suicide prevention line and they put you on hold. <laughs> you know that's messed up. That was messed up. You know it's a bad day when your, when your birthday cake collapses because of the weight of your candles. Like, there's just way too many on there. You know it's a bad day. You know it's a bad day when you go to a restaurant and they give you the senior citizen's discount without asking and you're 37. <laughs> Need to moisturize a little bit more. You know it's a bad day when you tell your spouse, I would like to eat out tonight. And when you get home, there's a sandwich on the porch. That's a bad day. That is a bad day. But we all know what it's like to go through a bad day, right? But how do you live through a bad day? What do we do with that? And I want to talk to you today because Jack Hayford, who, who spoke here about four years ago, he wrote a book several years ago called How to Live Through a Bad Day, and he takes the seven last phrases or statements of Jesus on the cross to help teach us through that. Chris Hodges has taught through this as well, and this series is going to take us all the way up to Easter, six weeks away from Easter, and I want you again to begin to think who you can bring, because most people will say yes to a church invite at Christmas and Easter, so begin to think that, plant the seed. But I want to talk to you about this today, because a lot of times we look at God and we're like, he's God. Like, he can't understand what I'm going through. And I'm here to tell you he does understand. Because he had the worst day ever, the most horrific day ever. He was brutally beaten, crucified, and even in the midst of his horrible day, he still found enough strength to teach us some life lessons through his last words on the cross. It was Good Friday. Good Friday. Everybody say Good Friday. Good Friday. It was a Good Friday for us, but it wasn't a Good Friday for him. Like we say the phrase Good Friday, it's, it was a horrible Friday for him. But he didn't do it for him, he did it for us. Come on, how many thank God that Jesus gave his life for us on Good Friday? He did all this and he didn't even deserve it. And then we read in Hebrews, you have notes, and I'm going to give you a lot of scripture. But look at the screens because this first translation is not in your notes. It's Hebrews 12, 2 in the NIV, and then I'm going to read to you the paraphrase version of the message. Message is not a translation, it's a paraphrase, but it helps us understand the Bible a little bit better. Hebrews 12 on the screen says, fix your eyes on Jesus, it's a good thought, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy, shout joy, joy. the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Like he is the example, he's enduring torture torture of a cross. He did that for a reason. He was able to do that because he was able to look past the cross and see something in the future. You say, what was that? He was you. He was able to look past the cross, the immediate imminent cross, to look into the future and see the need for you. It says, who for the joy that was set before him. You know what? You were his joy. 
you're the reason he endured. He was able to look past that. And how many are grateful that he was able to look past that? Come on. He was able to look past to see some people that needed his grace, needed his love, needed his forgiveness. He says, I'll take this if it's going to get me that. So Jesus is here, and he's, he's giving his life for us. And the paraphrase of the message translation says, keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it. That's what we're doing over the next few weeks. Study how he did it because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way. The cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith like surrender like it's over, go over that story again. Item by item. That long litany of hostility he plowed through and that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. Isn't that good, everybody? Jesus, his bad day actually started on Thursday night. He was illegally tried. And it wasn't fair. It was both illegal in Jewish custom and in Roman custom, but that didn't matter to the people who were trying him. They had three trials at nighttime. That was illegal with two kings. Then he was beaten. He was whipped, flogged, like cat of nine tails, the whole whipping on his back, crown of thorns, all of that. And then they would end with nailing his hands and feet to a cross. They bring the cross up, hoist it in that, and, and finally when it would drop into that hole, that's when he said the first phrase in Luke 23. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Hey, can we be honest for a second? I don't think that's the first thing that would have came out of my mouth. I'd have been looking at everybody like dead, 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 lightning bolt, lightning bolt, all y'all, dead. Everybody. Probably would have been some other stuff coming out of my mouth. Can I be really honest? (laughs) Not Jesus. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Not only did he say it, it was the first thing he said. How do you live through a bad day? You need to say this first. Write this down. Jesus is trying to teach us to forgive everybody who's trying to ruin your life. Forgive everybody who's trying to ruin your life. And it's hard because there are people involved. I saw this one shirt that says, I used to be a people person, but people ruined that for me. (laughs) Maybe you're like the philosopher that says, the more I get to know people, the more I like my dog. (laughs) People hurt you. They talk about you. They're not as faithful as you thought they were. There's a lot of problems. And it's tough because some people are so good at destroying your life. Like it's almost like they go to our step three in our growth track and discover their spiritual gift is to destroy your life. <laughs> Feels that way sometimes. Feels rough. It's hard. And, and he, put, he put this in the Lord's prayer even. He says, pray this every day, like the everyday prayer. Father, forgive us our sins as we forgive others. Say as we. As okay, we. many of you don't know this, but you've been praying judgment on your life for years through the Lord's prayer. We've been praying, Lord, forgive us our sins as we, translation, in the same way as, to the same degree as we forgive others. Let that sink in for a minute. Some of us are praying, Lord, I pray that you didn't hear those prayers. (laughs) How many would like God to forgive you to the exact same measure that you forgive other people? That's what he wants, that's what he wants to happen. Well, all of this, all of this happens in you because people hurt you. People are going to hurt you. That is a guarantee. Some of you are like, Sean, that's not very positive. Can't you just be more positive? 
great. Okay, I'm positive people are going to hurt you. <laughs> like, this is going to happen. And yes, people are going to hurt you, but listen to me. It's up to you whether you stay there or not. It's up to you. It's up to you if you stay there or not. Look at this verse, Matthew 24. Matthew 24, Jesus says, many will be offended. Many will be offended. They will betray one another, and they will even hate each other. Like, this is a guarantee. Luke 17 says, Jesus is talking to his disciples, his interns. He says, it is impossible that no offenses should come your way. Like, they're going to come. Yes, offenses are going to come. It's just up to you whether, what, you, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with the offenses that come your way? We all get offended, and here's what we do. We harbor unforgiveness and bitterness, and it's almost like we feel we're, we're punishing the other people who hurt us by, by derailing and crashing our lives. Like, I'll show them. I'll get them. I'm going to tank my life, and then they'll really pay. They don't care. They've moved on. You're stuck with this bitterness. You've lost sleep. You're on medication other relationships have been destroyed. I'm telling you, you've got to forgive. And a lot of times people are like, I can't forgive them. You don't know what they did to me. It's like one man said, bitterness and unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. I'll show you. That doesn't even make sense. That's what bitterness does on the inside of us. No wonder Jesus is trying to teach us a principle in the first statement to forgive them. Because Proverbs 18, 19 says, a brother wronged is more unyielding than a fortified city. You ever talk to a wounded person? You ever try to get them to open up? Nope, not happening. You know why? Because the Bible goes on to say, disputes are like, a, like barred gates of a citadel. Barred gates. Bar- their lives are barred up. I feel like I'm going to guard my heart. Really what you're doing, you're failing to realize you think you're protecting yourself. You're barring God out of your life. You're barring other people out of your life. You're isolating and insulating yourself because you're like, I want to make them pay because they owe me. Back in 1649, during the English Civil War, a guy named Oliver Cromwell wanted to overthrow the monarch at that time, the Royalist Party, and King Charles I was in charge. He was king. Well, they did overthrow them. And then 59 people got King Charles, and they said, we're all going to sign a document to seal his execution because we didn't like the way he treated us. So picture this. 59 people sign a document, and then King Charles is executed. For 11 years, they're in power, and then the Royalist Party came back into power. Guess who was king next? King Charles' son. Guess what the first thing he did? He said to them, go find the 59 people that had my dad executed. Go find them. We're going to try them for his murder. Well, 15 of the 59 were already dead. He said, that's not good enough. Go dig them up. They went to the graves and dug up 15 corpses. Can you picture this? 15 corpses sat them in the courtroom and tried them. What do you have to say for yourself? You plead the fifth? Guilty. I mean, he had 15 guys hanged for something that happened 11 years prior. You talk about digging up the past. This is a crazy picture of what takes place in our lives when we don't deal with unforgiveness the right way. Jesus is teaching us, forgive them as unto God. Forgive those who are trying to ruin your life. Write this down. Refuse to become offended. Just refuse it. You have an opportunity to choose whether you get offended or not. Offenses will come. You just don't have to keep it. 
It is a it, bitter root. Hebrews chapter 12 says it this way. See to it. In other words, like make sure you do this. That no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root, shout bitter root. Bitter root. Make sure that no bitter root grows up and causes trouble and defiles many. Because of bitterness in our heart, it becomes a bitter root. It grows inside of your heart and it defiles people. I have some props upstage here today and I was in my yard this morning and I pulled out a weed. Just a tiny little baby. Pulled it out. Isn't it cute? It's kind of cute, isn't it? No, it's not. It's a weed. Have you ever been pulling weeds in the backyard? Some of you are like, I pay people to do that. Great. Have you ever seen somebody pull a weed up then? I pulled this out. When I, when I came down and I pulled it out, it gave me no fight. I literally pulled it out in a second. Just whoop, it came out. Roots and all. But let me ask you another question. Have you ever been in the backyard and you're pulling up something that's a little bigger? And you're trying to, you're like, you're yanking this thing out. You got all your back into it. It's not moving at all. You're struggling trying to pull it out. But those roots go deep, don't they? It's a struggle. What many times what happens is, is what happens is you start to pull it out and then you get frustrated and you just end up breaking it off at the base. Like you'll break it off right here at the ground and then you're excited because you're like, okay, good, I'm done. I'm done. I'm, I'm good now. And you feel like you've dealt with it, but there's a whole lot going on beneath the surface that you can't see. And because you didn't deal with the root, it's, it will grow back. Let me tell you, it's not impossible to dig this up, but here's what happens now. It's just a lot more difficult because now you have to take a shovel and dig all around it because it has affected a wider section of your life now. Because you didn't deal with it when it was small. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't deal with the root of your life, the bitterness, and I'm telling you, the roots will go down. They will latch on to every relationship that you have. It will affect the way you view everything you see, and many of you will never make it to the destiny that God has for you. I'm telling you, it's a trap. And I like preaching with this thing. It's a trap. Let it go. This is, this is a bitter root. It will cause trouble in your life. It will defile your life. It will keep you from the call of God. And I'm asking some questions today that I feel are pretty important. Like why would we allow that to take place in our life? Why would we let it stay? It's been three years. It's been five years. It's been 20 years. It's been 33 years that you have allowed this bitter root to come into your life. Why would you give somebody else that much power over your life? You've lost sleep over it. You're on medication because of it. You've lost peace in the home. You've lost joy. You've lost your calling. I'm telling you, why would we give somebody else so much power in your life? Refuse to become offended. Refuse it. I refuse to become offended. And, And by the way, anybody... If there's anybody who had a reason to hate people, it was Jesus. Everything that they're doing to him on this day, like several things took place, and maybe you can relate. Write these down. Number one, there was betrayal. There's betrayal. He was betrayed by one of his closest followers. It was Judas. He loved him. That's what made it hurt so much, is that you love them. That's why it it takes such a, your breath away is because it wasn't someone who you didn't know. It was somebody you knew really well. 
and they betrayed you. Judas betrayed Jesus, and not only did he betray him, but the other 11 disciples who were like, man, I'll die for you. None of them showed up at these illegal trials to say, hey, guys, this is not right. What you're saying is not true. We know G. None of them even showed up. Maybe you know what that feels like to be betrayed. Write this down. He also went through false accusations. False accusations. Like what people were saying about him wasn't even true. Like you probably don't mind people saying stuff that's true about you, but you, it just gets under your skin when they just hate on you. And they're saying stuff that's not even true. But here's what we learn. We learn that haters are going to hate, hate, hate. <laughs> they just will. They, they are. Everything inside of you rises up. How many hate it when somebody talks about you? Three of you? Great. Everybody else is like, I love that. It's awesome. Come on, show of hands. How many hate it when people talk about you? Everything inside of you wants to rise up because you're like, that's not true. That's a lie. This is unjust. And you want to fight. Something wants to rise up in you. Jesus didn't say a word. They paid people to come and lie. I don't think you've ever had that. They literally paid people to come and lie at the trial. And Jesus didn't say a word. I'm telling you what. When you know who you are and you know what you're about, the lies that other people tell about you cannot get under your skin. When you know who you are and you know what you're about, it doesn't affect you as much. Write this down. He went through rejection. Rejection. Some of you know what that feels like today. Rejection from a a spouse, a parent, a son, a daughter, a grandchild. Maybe Maybe it was a close friend, a teacher, a coach. Maybe friends at school. Maybe it was a job. You, you never had to worry about a job. You've been working forever, and then you got fired, let go, and you haven't been able to get another one. I'm telling you, rejection will get into your spirit. For a lot of people, they, they suffer rejection from oh, so much cyberbullying nowadays. It just drives me crazy what people will say. Everybody just feels like they can say whatever you want to on social media. Just because you have an opinion about somebody doesn't mean you have to share it. For some of you, you allow that into your spirit. You, you wake up getting on social media, you go to bed with it, and you're, you're just fiending for affirmation on social media. And when you don't get it, you feel rejected. Or when somebody says something about you, it crushes you. Some of you just need to get off of it entirely. You come to the church. We'll tell you what God says about you. We'll tell you that you're valued. We'll tell you that you're loved. We'll tell you there's a purpose and a plan for your life. Come on, does anybody believe that today? And then he was whipped, and he suffered crucifixion, which is the worst form of capital punishment ever recorded in history. Write this down. It was abuse. Some of you here know exactly what that feels like. This was emotional abuse. This was physical. All of this was going on. They blindfolded Jesus and then would hit him and say, prophesy who hit you. All of this happening, beyond recognition they beat him, And then they would hang people, not like in the movies. It's hard for me even to articulate this about our Savior, but they would hang people naked on a cross. He didn't have the the towel that we see in the movies. They would hang people there, write this down, because they wanted to humiliate them. It's humiliation. He went through that on that day. All of this on one day. Exploited, violated, misunderstood. How frustrating is it when you're misunderstood? When you're trying to tell, talk to people or do something, they misconstrue it, 
It's so frustrating. Then you're alone, and I'm telling you, if you don't know who you are, this messes with your identity. Jesus went through all of this to pay for our sin. Come on, we ought to clap our hands. Let's thank God for paying for our sin. That our sin can be wiped away. We can have a fresh start in Jesus. That's why he did it. But in addition to that, watch this. He also did it so that you'd know he understands. What a Savior. What a God. That he's not just some distant creator that's not interested in his creation. He stepped into humanity. He stepped into his, his creation. Said, I will become my creation just to show you how much I love you and that I absolutely understand. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 17 puts it this way. For this reason he had to be made like them. Human. Fully human in every way. In order that he might become a merciful and faithful high, high priest in service to God. And that, that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Thank God for that. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted. Watch this. Then now he's able to help those who are being tempted. He was tempted in every way that you were tempted. And yet the Bible says he never sinned. That's what made him savior. That's what made him the candidate to pay for our sins. He went through everything, but he never sinned. There's not one thing in your life that you can't pray to him about. There's not one thing that you can't talk to God about that he won't understand. He understands it. Not only does he understand it, he conquered it, and he wants to free you from it. Can I hear a good amen? amen. Forgive them, Father. Forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Everything inside of you is not going to want to do this. Everything inside of your emotions is not going to want to do this. You're going to say, you don't understand, Sean. They hurt me. They wounded me deeply. They, you don't understand. I don't... I can't forgive. I don't even want to think about that because there's no way I'm ever letting this go in my life. They hurt me and wounded me too much. And you almost feel justified because of how severe it was. You almost feel justified like, yeah, I'm justified in being wounded. Let me tell you something. You don't have a right to be wounded. One person said you have a right to be healed. Jesus Christ paid for that right. We didn't always have that right to be healed, but we have that right now. Jesus paid for it so that we can be healed. Abuse, humiliation, all of this going on. Your emotions are not going to want to do this. But if you're going to forgive, you've got to change your thinking. And what you feel about forgiveness. First Peter puts it this way. Since Christ suffered while he was in his body, like he did that, strengthen yourselves with the same way of thinking that Christ had. You've got to change your thinking about this. And let me just tell you like, about forgiveness and what it is and what it's not. Forgiveness is not saying what they did was okay. <laughs> did you hear me? Yeah. What they did wasn't okay. How they walked out, how they said that, cheated. What? It wasn't okay. It was wrong. My daughters, when they were younger, I have four girls. When they were younger, I would force them sometimes to say I'm sorry. Come on, how many of ever been made, made like forced to say you're sorry it's not really wholehearted is it? it's like sorry <laughs> you say it with your words but everything inside of your body is trying to give the other meaning it's like you say sorry but you say it with a lip raise eyes roll neck roll and a turn around gas <sighs> you know that's that's the whole equation right sorry <sighs> when they would say sorry to you i say you're sorry to your sister sorry and then the other sister, I don't even know where they learned this. They would say, it's okay. <laughs> and I'd say, no, it's not okay. Don't say that. You, you having your sisters wrap bed sheets around your neck and trying to hoist you to the second story, that was not okay. <laughs> it's not okay. 
you say, I forgive you. Don't say it's okay. Say, I forgive you. I'm I'm sorry. I forgive you. I mean, that's what took place. Why? Because I'm trying to teach them very early on. Just because you forgive somebody doesn't mean what they did was okay. Just because you forgive somebody doesn't mean that you trust them right away again. If you were abused as a child, you are not going to let that person watch your children when they're older. Doesn't mean tr- trust is a two-way street. Reconciliation is a two-way street. It takes two. You can forgive, but it doesn't mean you have to trust them right away. Trust is built back up. And I wouldn't, I, if, if, by the way, if you, were, if you were abused by somebody, I would never let them watch your kids. I don't care what they said. You can forgive them. Don't you ever let them watch your children. Don't put your kids at the same risk that you were under and nobody spoke up for you. Be an advocate and speak up for those who don't have a voice. You can forgive even though you never get an I'm sorry. Here's what we're looking for. You're holding the bitterness and unforgiveness because you're waiting for the day where they come crawling back to you on their hands and knees through gravel and glass and say, please forgive me. I'm so sorry. Some of you will never get that, but you can still forgive them anyway. I've seen, I've watched it. I've seen people very close to me look across the table and say, I forgive you for doing this. And they deny what they did to them. Like sexual abuse type stuff. I never happened. And the tears streaming down their faces, I've seen them say, that's okay. I release you as under the Lord. And they walked out free while the other person was still bound. See, the person that you're holding this, the, the forgiveness to is really irrelevant in the equation. Jesus is like, do this unto me. Forgive them as unto me. Picture Jesus' head over their shoulder saying, forgive them as unto me. You can be free even though you never get an I'm sorry. Well, they don't deserve it. Oh, please. You don't want to get into what we deserve. It's not fair. You don't want fair. You want the grace of Almighty God. How many are grateful that God didn't wait for us to deserve it? Anybody grateful that God went past that, saved us, forgave us, gave us grace, mercy, all of that in the, in the middle of what we were walking through? He made forgiveness possible. I want to tell you, you, you can forgive without ever having an I'm sorry. And here's the problem. We want to judge people based on their actions, and we want them to judge us based on our intentions. Big difference. Some of you think offense is too great. It's, it's impossible. I can't. been hurt too bad. We can do this. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Say that with me. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I had this vision God gave me a long time ago. And it was, I, was, I was thinking about forgiveness because a lot of times, here's what we say. We say, there's no way, no way that I could ever forgive the person because of what they've done. Never. And so we hold on to bitterness and unforgiveness. And many times we don't want to forgive because we think we're giving them something. Like if I forgive you, I'm giving you something. And the Lord gave me a picture of this. He took me to like this, this um, there used to be a restaurant in San Francisco it was amazing. They had the best chocolate souffle ever. You just cut it and it would ooze chocolate. It was, it was fantastic. They closed the restaurant. I'm not bitter. Anyway, 46 stories up, 46 stories high in San Francisco. He took me to that building and said, picture 
you having a rope around your waist and it's tied to a piano that's hanging off the side of the building. Many times we think, I, I can't forgive them because I don't want to give them anything. And I felt the Lord say, forgiveness is not giving them something. It's releasing something. Because that will pull you over the edge. For some of you, this is a word that you needed. You need to forgive it. Let it go. Because it's pulling you over. It's killing you. It's destroying your life. You need to let this go. Okay, let's get real practical. Okay, here's how we do it. Number one, write this down. You bring their balance to zero. You bring their balance to zero. In other words, you're not expecting payment from them. You're not expecting anything from them. Even if they never say, I'm sorry, I'm good. I forgave you a long time ago. God's going to work in you. You might come to me one day and be like, I'm sorry. That's great. I don't need your sorry. I got Jesus Christ on my side. He's brought hope and healing in my life before you ever articulated the words, I'm sorry. Bring their balance to zero. Here's a verse. Here's a chapter, Matthew 18. Read the whole chapter. There's a master. He had a guy under him, a servant who owed him like, you know, 100 bags of gold coins. That's a lot of money. And the, the, the master's like, hey, pay up. And the worker's like, I can't do it. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. I can't pay. And the, the master said, okay, I forgive you this debt. Well, the guy that just got forgiven by his master goes to his servant and says, hey, you owe me one bag of silver coins. Pay up. And the guy was like, I can't pay. Please forgive me. And the Bible says he put him in like a WWF chokehold and said, pay my money. The guy says, I can't do it. So he threw him in prison, debtor's prison, where they would go sell themselves or their kids to you know, serve off their debt. Well, the master hears about it in Matthew 18. Look at this, Matthew 18, verse 32. Then the master called the servant in and said, you wicked servant. Jesus is telling this story. I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master said, handed him over to the jailers to be what? Until he could pay back everything he owed. Okay, look at me. There are some of you here, because of unforgiveness and bitterness, you have been turned over and you are being tormented. For years, in your health, in your body, in your mind, there's a tormenting spirit that takes place that's attached to unforgiveness. And God wants to set you free. He goes on to say, verse 35, this is how my heavenly Father will treat you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your Not just saying it, but Lord, I give this to you. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. You can do this. There is a lot of us in the room today that we have forgiven people. We didn't even know that we had the capacity to forgive. Come on, anybody in the room? Like you, you, you literally did it and you weren't sure if you were going to be able to do it, but you, you did it and now there's a freedom that floods your soul. It's not demanding payment from their life. It's bringing their balance to zero so that you can be free. We release them as unto God. Matthew 6, verse 14. The first part of the verse is great. The second part is not so great. If you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. Say a good amen. amen. Here's another part that nobody gets tattooed on their arm. But if you don't forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. For your sake, let it go. For your peace of mind, for your future, let it go. They don't know what they're doing. 
Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They're broken. Broken people hurt people. Hurt people hurt people. Broken people do broken things just like healed people do healed things. And if you don't deal with this bitter root inside of you, you will keep the cycle going and you will create a legacy of bitterness for future generations. I'm encouraging you to bring their balance to zero and get free today. Number two, pray for them and bless them. Oh, Mm. pray for them. Okay, yeah, sure, sure. I'll pray that a thousand bees attack their armpits. Pray for them, all right? That's not the type of prayer we're talking about. Matthew 5, verse 43. Let me just read a bunch of verses, all right? Then the master called in the... Oh, sorry, that's another verse. Matthew 5, 43. I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Luke 6, 27. But, but to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Okay, watch this. He said to those who are listening. Can you hear him? Can you hear the gentle whisper of the Holy Spirit through the words of Christ? To those who are listening, pray for them. Bless them. Romans 12, 17, do not repay anyone for evil. That's what we want. We want to pay him back. Don't pay him back. Don't repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear bro- my brothers and friends, but leave room for God's wrath. Some of you are crowding God out. Let him work. Why? Because it is written, it is, it is mine to avenge. He will, he'll take care of it. He's got your back, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. That's just, that's hard. If your enemy is hungry, bring him a sandwich. Here you go. Do you like mayonnaise? Jesus, have mercy. If he's thirsty, get him a Starbucks. In doing this, you will heap up burning coals on his heads. Do not overcome eat by eat. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The reason it's easy for me to forgive, ladies and gentlemen, write this down, because the forgiven forgive. The forgiven forgive. That's what we do. Matthew 10, 8 says, freely you have received. Come on, how many paid for your own sin? Anybody? Nope. Anybody pay for grace here? (coughs) Anybody pay for mercy? Anybody here write a check for forgiveness? No. Freely you have received, Jesus says, so freely give. Don't make somebody else pay for what you got for free. He gave it to you to give away. Anything God gives you, it's so that you can give it to somebody else. The reason it's easy for me to forgive is because I have been forgiven from so much. And I will never forgive another person more than Jesus Christ has forgiven me. Let that motivate your heart. You can't bury this stuff. you got to deal with it. Father, forgive them. Some of you need to pray that prayer with me today. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. 
Jesus, he never would have fulfilled his calling if he hadn't done this. Are you listening? Jesus never would have fulfilled his calling if he didn't do this. Okay, look at me. Neither will you. You'll never fulfill your calling unless you do this. He says, Sean, why can't you just preach a happy message? Because I got to get you free before I get you happy. Come on. Come on. I need you to get this. I need you to get this. 